Hello, lovely listeners. It's Laura here because I have some very exciting news to share with you. We are getting back on the road and doing not one, not two, but three live shows before the end of the year and tickets are out now. All of the shows are going to be in Bush Hall in London. Basically think of it as a go love yourself residency at this point. Our first one is going to be on the 30th of October and it's going to be our Halloween party. So make sure you get those tickets ASAP so you can see everyone's fabulous outfits. You can find more information and the link to the tickets in the episode description and all across our Instagram at go love yourself pod. We cannot wait to see you there. This is a crowd podcast. Hi, our lovely listeners. Right, before you listen to today's episode, we want to warn you that we do reference infertility and baby loss throughout. We got a lot out of recording this. It's an incredibly powerful episode, but if you think it will trigger you, then please feel free to skip it or pause it or do what you need to do. Lots of love. Childlessness broke your heart, but childless women like put it back together. I just think that's so beautiful. This is honestly, I haven't... I haven't done therapy for like two years at this point. This is like therapy. I can't even tell you, but I'm free. You get it free, everybody. (laughs) Oh my goodness. The reaction to us announcing our live shows, Laura. It's been so good. Everyone's been so nice. Where People are excited and then people are buying their tickets. And just thank you so much, everyone. No, it's been so amazing. And we are so, so excited. If not a little bit terrified. Terrified, but excited. (laughs) We we were funny enough. We were actually having a chat about them this week. And I was like... Do you know what I realised, Laura? And I was like, we were talking about dressing up and all of this. I was like, I fucking hate dressing up. <laughs> That's in fancy dress. Yeah, and dress. Uh, and I realised that actually, I reckon that our lovely audience, you guys listening, are probably <laughs> like split 50-50, just like <laughs> me and Lauren. So um, I realised that we put the emphasis on the Halloween one of like, you know, dressing up. But I just wanted mm. to say out there that guess, guess out of the two of us, <laughs> which one will be going ham and dressing up and which one of us won't. I, I I think could you guess? Could you, is it, <laughs> yes. you, you can't but guess? But what yeah. I what I can't wait for is the visual on the stage and of <laughs> of me, of me in this most elaborate costume I can think of and take to London that day because I'm working in the day versus you in just like an LBD. Like. But it's also really hard, can I just say, to buy a fancy dress and get good fancy yeah. dress when you're fat, like when you're plus size. Hundred impossible so yeah. basically what i wanted to say to anyone listening if you were put off that thinking that you had to like come in fancy dress yeah absolutely don't because i will not be oh my gosh yeah just what laura said absolutely no pressure to dress up for halloween but for those that want to go for it and one thing that we said because we went to brunch at the weekend didn't we laura and mm. i was like i'm gonna fancy dress myself However, I am not going to dress up as a fat character. I'm just going to be fat in costume. So I feel like there's this thing that that plus size women think we can only dress up as like plus size characters or something like that. Um, so you don't have to if you don't want to. And I feel like if people do want to fancy dress, we can maybe do like a little prize for the best, the best fancy dress. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah, okay, cool. We would also love to know your suggestions for where we should go next. It looks like the most popular ones are Cardiff, Manchester, Edinburgh. But <gasps> yes. Let us know where you want us to go. Um, is there anywhere that you guys really, really want to come see us? Tell us and we will do our best to make it happen. We will. I, 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 want, I want to go to Edinburgh. <laughs> I, want to go to, I want to go to all those places. I'm up for it. Um, anyway, let's get into this week's episode. It was a powerful one to record, but it is a heavy one. So just big love to you all. So today's topic is a really personal one for both of us. 
We've spoken about it a bit before and we've also had many, many chats with you guys about it uh, in our DMs and on the community um, who are in similar situations. And that is the topic of being child free. So for those of you that don't know, I struggled with infertility for probably three or four years, I think. And it was so, so challenging, but I sort of feel like I'm coming out the, the other side of it now. Although I don't, although I don't feel like I've completely given up hope. So that's me in a nutshell. And then me in a nutshell is, um, as lots of listeners know, is that I'm 35 in October and I'm single and I don't have children. But I have recently discovered that I very much want them, and the biological clock it's doing its thing. And so that's my story. So that so that's where we come from. It's going to be a very personal one. I've already anticipated that we're going to cry because I read the script earlier and I've cried. <laughs> but this is a topic that is so important because it's something that Laura and I deal with all the time and think about all the time. And therefore, we know our listeners do. And so we wanted to do this topic justice and we had to do that with a guest today. And this guest is sensational. Um, we are so honoured to be joined by her. And oh my gosh, we'll get into the TED Talk, but you must, must, must watch her TED Talk. It's fantastic. So a huge welcome to founder of the support group, Gateway Women, and author of the book, Living the Life Unexpected, Jodie Day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Go Love Yourself. How are you? I'm really great. And it's lovely to be here. And uh, I'm kind of feeling the emotion already. It's huge. Oh. Tell us a little bit about, about you, the work you're doing and how it all started. You know, I was, I struggled with unexplained infertility. There was no reason why I couldn't get pregnant. Went to every alternative practitioner, stood on my head, cough mixture, stood on my head after sex, gave up this food, took up that food, peed on every colour of stick you can imagine. Um, <laughs> and just nothing ever happened. And this contributed, you know, there was a lot of stress in my marriage. I'd, I'd married, I did marry a lovely man, but he was a chaotic addict, you know, workaholic, became an alcoholic and then much worse things. So by the time I was like 37 and, and he said to me, I, I really think we should do IVF. I just had a wake up call, like a spiritual wake up call. It was like, I can't bring a baby into this. You know, a year later we were divorced and then I, my timing was running out. And I got to 44. I didn't know about donor eggs. And even if I had, I wouldn't have been able to afford them. So kind of going either where people say, well, why don't you have one on your own? And I kind of sometimes later think that's such a strange thing to say. It's like, because if I'd said I was thinking getting a dog, they'd say, but who's going to walk the dog in the daytime? You know, that's not very responsible of you. But they were all kind of telling me to have a baby on my own. It's like, I'm 45. It's done. Yeah, it kind of people want that problem fixed in every which way, don't they? So whatever ever stage you're in of being a woman, and you say this in your TED Talk, and it's so wonderful that womanhood is equated to motherhood and the other way around and, mm. you know, both ways. And it's like any stage that you're at, whether you've got them or not got them, whether you're trying or not trying, whether you want them or don't want, whatever, like people are trying to fix this problem for you. So, you know, the kind of, the you, again, TED Talk, please watch it, everyone, but like the bingo of what people say to you of, you know, okay, like, so you just said, why don't you have one on your own? Why don't you adopt? Why don't you do this? Why? And it's like, people want you to have this problem fixed. And I'm saying that in air quotes, because it's not a problem at all of like, this is how you have a child. But it's like, for, for, for a myriad of reasons, and we will talk about all of them, it, it, it's one, it's not a problem to be fixed, but sometimes those solutions are not viable solutions. And finance is a huge part of that as well, because I didn't know about donor eggs, but as soon as you said I couldn't afford it, well, I was like, well, I'm not going to be able to afford it yeah. either. So Even that's not an freezer. option. So stop. It's that, I think yeah. people are often really well-intentioned. Oh, of course. I think although well-intentioned, 
people are quite mindless when they say things. I think the worst one, I always ha- hated the kind of like, whoopsie, like, oh, we weren't even trying. And I'm like, I'm so happy for you. But the worst one was always like, it'll happen. Like, oh, it will happen when you least expect it. Oh, have you tried just relaxing, like go on a holiday? And it's like, I think Ed Sheeran even came out. It started off with a conversation about infertility and that they had been trying for a while and it wasn't happening. And I remember thinking at the time, this is so refreshing because we don't talk about it enough. Even like you were saying about how it affected your relationship, we don't also talk about how it affects relationships. It definitely affected mine. We don't talk about it enough. But literally after he said about, you know, like we struggled, he said, and do you know what we did? He said, we just went on holiday. We relaxed and it happened. So that's why I just say to anyone, just, you know, go on holiday and relax. Cheers, Ed. <laughs> it's easy as Again, that. <laughs> although just well-meaning and not really thought about and no intent, no malice intended. No one's offended by it at all. But just, yeah, it's just people can be really like careless or like Lauren said, just want to like fix things like like you're a problem or whatever. And it's like people don't know what to say. That's that's the thing. And often the first thing they say is very unhelpful because actually what they're trying to do is they're actually trying to close the conversation down because it's really scary. And also some things don't respond to, you know, being a good person, paying your taxes on time you know, having enough money, having enough data, doing all the right things, having all the right treatments, that you can do everything right in inverted commas for radio and things still might not work out. You know, we do have almost like a very childlike idea that if we try hard enough and we're a good enough person, we can solve anything. And there are an awful lot of kind of you go girl kind of memes that really annoy the fuck out of me (laughs) because it's just like I'm just sitting there I'm going what about all the structural inequalities I'm sorry you go get them yeah it's it's so true I I definitely have felt that somebody quite close to me actually said to me I remember uh a few years ago when I was saying that I I was told I needed to lose a very very large amount of weight to be considered for IVF we were also told that ours was unexplained infertility. And I was on a walk with somebody and they said, oh, I said about, oh, I've got to lose something like 12 to 14 stone. And they were like, well, if you want it, if you want it that much, you'll do it. I've had a per- like a permanent problem with my weight my whole life. I only found out sort of fairly recently-ish that I've got polycystic ovaries. And it's not, like you said, it's not always straightforward. It's not always fixable. And it's not like, you know, we talk about this a lot on the podcast about like weight stigma just the same as people say oh it's so simple eat less move more it's the same with infertility there's so many other factors at play like you said socioeconomic financial reasons like same-sex couples as well don't have the same access to to it as we do there's just so so much to it it's very complex very nuanced isn't it it is and we're not we're not comfortable with that as i was saying before and i I think, unfortunately, you know, the media amplifies the stories of what I call the miracle baby stories Mm. Uh, and the fertility industry. And a lot of it is industry is very comfortable for that kind of bias to stay out there, you know, because the fact is, is that, you know, there's a reason they're called miracles. They don't happen all the time. But if that's all we see and all we hear about, and if that's what celebrities talk about, It does give an impression that, you know, fertility treatment is a lot more successful than it is. It also hides how devastatingly hard it is. I mean, 50% of women who have fertility treatments have PTSD afterwards. That's higher than combat veterans. And it's higher than the 8% in the general population. That is how invasive it is. 
it can completely rob you of a sense of kind of ownership over your own body, over your own sexuality, over your own sexual organs. And yet we're kind of talking about it as if it's just some kind of thing. I mean, it's more traumatic than cancer treatment, but we're not talking about that. Just like, oh, why don't you get IVF? You know, which shows a deep disrespect also for those women and couples that are going through the process that are not getting supported or understood in their families and communities about what the heck they're dealing with. And that's whether you come out of it, you know, with a baby or not. So I, I think there's so much that is disinformation and disservice is done to women who are wanting to have a child, women and couples and men. Um, and it makes me angry and sad. A lot of the um, frustration that I felt with kind of fertility and infertility support groups and communities online and books and resources was that with a lot of them, it, it always ended with, and in the end, I got my miracle baby. And what I feel like there's not enough of is the, I didn't have the baby, but like I was okay or I wasn't okay. I had PTSD and I took a lot of therapy or whatever to get to get through it. But a lot of the stories do end with, Oh, and I, I managed to finally hold that baby in my arms. And I, as as someone who is child-free, I feel like that story is not told enough. We just don't, and, and just generally, in 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 very general layman's terms, we don't talk about infertility enough. And I, I think I wonder why that is. Do you think? Like, is it because? I mean, for me, like you said, I definitely feel like it was trauma. It's the the most painful thing I've ever been through. And I think there's a lot of me, Lauren will attest to this, like I just kind of shut it away and I go, I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine now. I definitely need to have some therapy to work through But it. because it's it's such an emotional thing, you, you, I don't think you're expected to be fine, right? Both like both of you have gone through something so big and, 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 and hopefully we'll get onto this now, but talking about the grief of it, like this is such an emotional topic. And I think you can tell that, you know, between us three and also our listeners, that our tone today is very different to some of our other episodes because this is a really emotional and raw subject for all three of us. Yeah, I don't think you're expected to get over it. Like, so Laura, I don't know if there'll ever be a point where you're like, yeah, cool beans now, great. But it's it's now how do we live with that? Like, but people I guess. will expect that. There's an extraordinary idea that, you know, that um, let's say your fertility journey, uh, whether it involves treatments or not, ends up that you you don't have the child and the family that you longed for. They'll say, oh, but you didn't really lose anything. You're not really grieving, you know? And it's like, okay, so I lost my children, first days at school, those photos, being in step with my peers, watching my children grow up, perhaps partner and have children of their own, having grandchildren, having people around me as I age, you know, um, being considered a real woman, being part of the community of mothers, all of these things. But no, no, it wasn't much. I don't know why I'm making such a fuss over it. You know, it's a huge thing. I don't think childlessness is something you ever get over. But it, it's something that, you know, through grieving and through help and through being around other childless women, you integrate that into your identity. And at the end of the book, it's like, and you know what? I'm okay. I found a different way to express my mother's heart in the world. You know, I no longer feel that I am a lesser version of Jodie mm. just because I feel like there's the Jodie who was going to be a mum and there's a Jodie who, you know, isn't a mum. And it's like, I no longer think one has more value than the other. I think they're both messy, imperfect human experiences of equal value. I'm just living this one. And the other one is a different one, but it's not necessarily a better one or a worse one. Not, life is never perfect. And I think our society can, and the media can give this idea, which is completely unhelpful to mothers as well, 
that sort of becoming a mother solves everything. It doesn't. You're still you. Life is still throwing you curveballs. You know, there's still happiness and sadness and joy and upset. A lot of that might be to do with your children as well. I mean, some of the biggest struggles in life that, that people are experiencing are around their children as well. It's, it's not all joy and butterflies and unicorns. But that is very hard to realise when you're really, really, you know, desiring motherhood, that balanced view. That comes with time. But the media sends out this idea that, you know, everything will be fine once you're a mum. That's, you know, you'll be living your highest purpose and meaning. I do feel like that and I, I do sort of feel that pressure of when people say like have you got kids and I say like no I do I sort of feel like sometimes like I've like I've failed and I definitely have had and I think still have thoughts of like I feel like less of a woman because I haven't like birthed a child and I feel like I think I remember my dad said to me when I was a lot younger like oh, I just really want you to just you know get married have lots of babies and be happy and I remember saying to him you should want so much more for me than that but actually as I've got older I was just sort of think there is so much more to life to that and I do know that but I see everyone around me and all the mums and the mum culture and they're like even the moaning like they're oh I had no sleep whatever and I think I'd love to be a part of that I'd love to moan about not having any sleep sometimes. I think being out of step with our peers is incredibly hard. I mean, I, I called it the friendship apocalypse of childlessness because I think whilst I was still kind of hopeful that I was going to be a mum, I really kept up with all my old friends, you know, with all their children's birthdays and anniversaries and what have you, because I was convinced that one day my children would be and their children would be kind of playmates. But when I knew for sure that I was not going to be a mum, I realised that it was just too painful for me to really participate in that way anymore. And I kind of realised that I had been the one doing the keeping up with. And I thought, I wonder what would happen if I stopped putting all that energy in. Ah, mm. crickets. Oh, that's interesting. Nothing. Apart from a couple of friends and one of them was one that I expected and one of them wasn't. People just completely forgot I existed. It was like I just dropped off the social radar completely. I mean, I was also single. And for those of you, you know, who are single, I mean, I used to say that the only invitation I would get would be to a dental checkup. I mean, it was, I was, <laughs> it was just a kind of forgetting. And so after a while, I just accepted that, that they were very busy and all, they had a whole stable of new friends for, through having children. But when it was happening to me, I just thought it was personal. I thought I was a really bad friend. I thought people didn't love me anymore. People didn't want me around. I was a downer. You know, it was an incredibly lonely few years of my life until I adjusted and I started to meet other childless women through Gateway Women. And I started to discover different kinds of ways to hang out with a gang of women. And something I found is that by having other childless women in my life who understood the pain of coming to terms with permanent involuntary childlessness, so not by choice, by getting that sense of being understood really, really met, it made it a lot easier to be around people who didn't get it. Even people who are really quite empathetic about a lot of things can be utterly clueless about this. For me to get married again, they have to tick the right boxes. Yeah. Because I'm just sick of these Klingons. Mm. who turn into Mr. Prices. I just want to meet someone who wants me for me. Mm. 
but yeah, I would get married. I can't wait. Should we organise it? <laughs> this is the Katie Price Show, a podcast all about me and my life. Alongside me, Kate's sister, Sophie. Me and Soph, we're so close, but you would not think we are from the same family. I mean, if you could see Soph now, she dresses like... Go on. Completely A librarian. But this would make me puke. Oh, no, what? Bad breath, and if they get white bits at the side of their mouth, I think it's pretty obvious he's gone off it. It seems like he's probably having an affair. Anyway, I am a nice person. (laughs) (laughs) So come on, give it a listen. Just search for The Katie Price Show. New episodes out every Thursday. The community thing is really important and I think at all stages of it as well because people listening to this podcast are of all ages. So there are some people who perhaps are coming to terms with the fact that they never will be a mum for whatever reason they never will. And then perhaps there's people, you know, maybe mid-30s and either side who maybe that door's a little bit closed but it's not fully closed and there's still hope. And every experience is, is really hard and... Sorry, I was lit. Whilst you were talking, I was just like in tears. But the friend stuff's really difficult because you find I've said this before on the podcast that when you're a teenager and when you're in your twenties, your life is your friends, and your friends' life is you, and you are each other's priorities, and it's fantastic. And then honestly, it happens overnight where you're not anymore because your friends are starting to create families of their own, whether that's with children or not, and then you start to get left behind, but you're happy for your friends because of course you are and you want to remain in their lives, but it becomes difficult. And when they start having more than one, their lives are so busy and I'm so happy for them, but it is getting harder. I don't want to lose them and they're not incompassionate, uncompassionate. (laughs) Not, they are not, not compassionate, whatever the word is. It is the reality of life. And and I love my friends dearly. And I know some of them listen to this. And I don't want them to get upset about it. I'm going to have to do a trigger warning again in the WhatsApp group to let them know it's coming. But it's, it's just the reality of it. And that I don't want it. And I, I don't have it. And I want it. And you've got it. And I miss you. And I miss being 20 with you. But it is so important to have people have similar life experiences. So yeah, so, you know, Laura and I, we're both child free not by choice and can talk about it. Me and my friend Stacey, you know, single and child-free, not by choice now. And and we can talk about it and have that. And I can still have my wonderful times with my friends who've got their families and I love their children and I've got them, but I think I need more. And I think, yeah, having your community, what you've done is incredible because you would have made women in whatever position feel less alone. And the fact that I got so emotional talking about that, mm. I think is demonstrates how important it is. Absolutely. I think one of the hard things, and for some reason we don't get this, we think that human beings can only have one emotion at a time. I don't know who those people are. We can be really happy for our friends and feel sad for ourselves. I think sometimes when we express our sadness or our loneliness or our sense of exclusion, it can be met by defensiveness, as if we're actually criticising our friends and their choices and their realities And it's like, no, both are possible. I mean, the fabulous Jessica Hepburn created a term which she called melon joy. So melancholy and joy together, melon joy. You know, when there's a, when there's a pregnancy announcement and you're like, that's great. Oh, fuck. (laughs) So that is so the perfect it, isn't it? I'm going to be really honest now and I'm probably going to sound like an utter bitch, but I, I don't care. Maybe it helps somebody. 
it takes me a really long time to feel happy for somebody. I'm going to be just really honest and say, I just feel jealous. I just feel angry. I just feel upset, hurt. And my immediate reaction is, well, that's them. I'm never, I don't ever want to speak to them again. And I know that sounds really probably quite evil. And I don't mean it. Like, you know, say it does fade, but like, it's just a self-protection thing, isn't it? But the whole like, I'm really happy for you, but I'm also sad for me thing. Like, that's lovely. And I'm, I'm like, take my hat off to people that, that can think like that, but I'm not there no, yet. Why would you be? Stop apologising for it. I think that's fine. I feel the same. And I haven't even like, you know, I haven't even been through fertility. Like, I sometimes it's like a gut punch and it, the happiness doesn't is. come. As, and, and that's for me, Laura. And that like, and that is not even slightly your situation. And the happiness comes... But it's not immediate, <laughs> just like completely raging with jealousy. Which is why I think it's so important that people are a little bit mindful about how and when they share the news of pregnancies yes. with women who don't have don't have children. Yeah. Mm. Also, if they don't tell you, if they're really worried that you're kind of going to take it badly or be really upset about it and they and they keep it from you for that reason. And then like they're six months pregnant, you know, mm. before you know and you, you can feel betrayed. You know, so there's so many ways within, you know, within the kind of the friendship story that we kind of need to get a bit more skilled. I mean, Laura, you know, you're angry and you're pissed off. I think that's really okay. You know, the fact that you're not happy for them yet, really okay. But that's going to be hard to manage if someone springs that on you in public. That is my worst, literally, like not worst fear, but like, well, I used to live in fear of that. Actually, I have to say, I, I really, I really did. And I remember one Christmas, I remember saying to somebody, if so-and-so is pregnant, do not tell me on Christmas Day. Or because, you know, like a lot of people do the whole like, Merry Christmas. We haven't like, oh, <laughs> um, I was like, I don't want to know. Like, don't tell me. Like if they announce it, fine, but just don't tell me. That was met with really like with not a very ep- empathetic response. It was like you've you know you spoiled good news and you should be happy for them and all of this, but it's just really hard to be honest with you like to to do that. Yeah, I really did live in fear of announcements. I really do think like I saw a, a really good TikTok about this the other day. It was saying about like what people who've gone go, gone through or are going through infertility wish you would do. It's like just text them first. Like I on people I think think it's too casual to just mm. text. Please just text me. Like, and then I can kind of be sad and grieve and cry and whatever in private. And then when you do the public thing, I'm prepared. And then I can Mm -hmm. do the whole, like, put on the happy face. But Mm -hmm. when people just chuck it at you out of the blue, people that do the kind of pregnancy announcements, like, in public, knowing that their, like, friends, immediate family are going to be there who are dealing with infertility, I think need... uh, slap with a wet fish like it's just insensitive and it just like it isn't necessary like just fine to do that and that's the thing like you're allowed your joy but just give that person a heads up first like I don't see why that's that hard Mm. just think people perhaps don't even think about it do they like if I want to believe the best in people basically and I want to believe that it is well-intentioned and they are not being ignorant but they're perhaps being very naive you know I think one of the reasons perhaps maybe even people who are quite empathetic kind of have a complete sort of empathy bypass around how this news might land with other people is it is so celebrated in the culture, you know, for a woman to be, to get pregnant. So this person's kind of ego and status is going through the roof at this moment. Mm. Now they're having their moment, but you know, I'm sorry, it's just biology. You know, it's, it's actually, it's, it's, we've made it into this, the most important thing that can happen to a woman, which is why when it doesn't happen for you, 
it can feel like your life is destroyed and your status and your identity are completely sort of besmirched forever. That's it. That's literally it, isn't it? And it's, and it's got over the top. I mean, the ideology that is behind all that we're talking about is something called pronatalism that says that, that, that ha- you know, that motherhood, womanhood equals motherhood, but also that having children is the way to be an adult and that people with children are more valuable than yes. people without children. That actually having children is the most important thing. The only way to have real meaning. It kind of comes out in so many different ways that, that undermine your sense of value in yourself as a human being first. We were all born childless. We were all born worthy. We do not have to have children to be allowed to keep that. So right. So right. And I, I feel that so, so hard on the, on the, I look at my friends with kids and I'm like, you're, you're proper adults. I'm not. I'm also 35 in a month's time. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm not a kid, like biologically not a child, but I've internalized it so hard that I'm just like, I think you're the first person that's basically said that to me. And I'm like, oh, I am an adult and it's fine that I'm an adult, even if I don't have children. Yeah. And many people who aren't very mature have children. Oh yeah. Very true. Mm. It's it's about... (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's biological, you know, having children is biological, parenting is psychological, you know, there's an awful lot of immature parents out there. So it, it does not necessarily make you a grown up. It just makes you a parent. It just makes you a parent. And that's all it does. You're so right. My dad said something recently, which like was like a proper punch in the stomach and it, and it was, there was no malice intended at all. I think again, just wasn't being very mindful. Honestly, he said, just being a grandparent is just the greatest gift of my life. Like it just brings me so much joy, like unparalleled joy. Wrong audience, dad. Wrong audience. Wrong audience. Yeah. Sorry about that. Talk to your grandkids. Per, like He does talk about them all the time. And like as much as I love it, because I can see that it brings him so much joy. It does. It makes me feel like I've failed him and like lesser of a, of a child for him because I haven't been able to give him grandchildren. And I like, I really do feel like I've come to such a, a much better, better place now of contentment with not having children and I wanted to talk to you about actually about the term child free not childless but I it still really hurts when I look at him and my stepmom and how much they their lives revolve around the grandchildren holidays Easter Christmas birthdays it's all like yeah let's get all the grandkids together and the whole focus is around them and yeah it does it's a bit of a sucker punch that's really it can be really hard and that can put a real wedge in in a family I mean I've heard many stories where you know parents are happy to fly to Australia to spend Christmas with their grandchildren yet they don't go an hour down the road to see one of their other children and also the person who perhaps is also unpartnered never gets to host. Yeah, it's, it's like it's a hierarchy, the people with kids in the families who get treated like the grown-ups. It's yeah. that sense of, as you said, mindlessness of kind of like, this is okay, this is what people do. As if everyone's going to go along with that and everyone's going to be okay with that without realising actually that kind of favouritism creates collateral damage. Maybe we don't have something that can compare. Maybe the comparing thing is the issue. Maybe, maybe you don't have to offer anything. Maybe just you being you has always been enough. That's helpful because I know this is, we've, we've me and Nora talked before and that part of it is the thing that pro- I probably struggle with the most. That I might not make them grandparents, but they don't love me any less because of it. 
it's just heartbreaking. So that's really nice. It's a really nice way of, of putting it. Jodie, I really mm. appreciate that. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's like therapy again. I can't even. My gosh. Right, we got we got to move on to the child, the childless versus child free. And when I first heard that term a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. it blew my mind because it is the less versus the free. And I always will say child free, mm. not childless, because that just makes me feel shit. I felt like that at the beginning. And as soon as I started my blog and I, and I used it, I mean, the child-free crew online came down on me like a ton of bricks. Really? You know, child-free means that you chose not to have children. Oh. But over the years that I have come through my grief over my childlessness, I no longer feel childless inside. I don't think about being childless. If it wasn't my work, I'd probably never mention the word or talk about it. I would just be Jody. It's like there was a time when my childlessness was the most important thing you needed to know about me. So that transition internally means inside I feel quite child free, but I call myself childless out of respect, both for the journey I've been on to get to that point and also out of respect for those who've arrived at it through a very different route. I I love that so much and I really appreciate your explanation of it. And now I understand a little bit more about the connotations of both. And perhaps I'm using it wrong, but I personally, and I'm probably, Laura, you'd be the same. I'm not in a position yet where I'm fine about calling myself childless. But I think I'll get there. Perhaps if this is still my situation in 20 years, then I will get there. And I kind of wanted to reflect on that, perhaps to end the episode of... There will be women listening to this and this might be mine and Laura's reality in 10, 15, 20 years time where we will be childless, not by choice. And that is full stop. Yeah. Menopause is here and we cannot. How can we get through that grieving process or how can someone who is listening today who might even be like listening in tears? What are the tips to get through that grieving process and be like you, like at peace. You sound so, lo- you know, when you're talking about it, you sound so lovely and it's so wonderful to hear. And oh my God, the hope you've given me is unbelievable. But what, yeah, what tips can you provide to perhaps me and Laura and our listeners? Oh, sweetheart. I'm, f- I'm really feeling you both. <laughs> I think I'd like also like to say that I think being in what I call the still hopeful stage, you know, holding space both for the, the dream of motherhood and the possible reality of childlessness is so challenging and it might even feel that if I put any energy into trying to come to terms with my childlessness, maybe I'll sort of nix in some way, you know, becoming a mum. And really grief comes when hope leaves. It is the part of our psyche that enables us to process living a life without the thing we didn't think we could live a life without. Basically, if we love, we grieve. So what I would say is find your people, Find your community, you know, childlessness broke my heart, childless women healed it. So find your people, read my book. Here it is, Living the Life Unexpected. You could download um, a free chapter of it on my website and, you know, do your grief work. And that can be something really profoundly uh, like a ritual around your grief. It could be planting a tree that represents your children It could be holding a ceremony to let go of that dream. It can be watching sad films that make you cry. It can be napping. You know, grief is physically very exhausting. Basically, you are rewiring yourself to become a version of you that you don't yet know. The person who can live happily in this life without the thing they didn't think they could live without. It's a massive job. Get support with it. 
find your people, work with a, a childless therapist or join a childless community. Take yourself and your tender, broken heart really seriously. Show it the love and respect that society doesn't and allow your grief to show you the way to your healing. It won't let you down. Oh, so beautiful. <laughs> so it's just that all, the whole thing. Well, I'm I'm feeling it. Mm. Yeah, for both of you, for me, you know, it's like that tender part of me that will never leave me. You know, it's not like my grief is like magically vanished. It's just, it's a very tender spot in my heart. And it's all, it's where the children that live only in my heart live. And it's, it can be painful, but it's a kind of bittersweet pain. It's like, oh, there you are, darlings. There you are. You're still in there. Mummy still loves you. <laughs> Literally, both Laura and I are sitting here in tears. This is honestly, ther- I, haven't, I haven't done therapy for like two years at this point. This is like therapy. I can't even tell you, but, you know, we know what it's like to be vulnerable online about talking about, you know, body confidence and our stuff. But this is such an emotive subject and your vulnerability is helping people. And it's helped me, Laura. I know it has. And I just, I really want to just perhaps end on the, the point that you said there about, you know, childlessness broke your heart, but childless women like put it back together. I just think that's so beautiful. And that's the importance of community, of friendships and of not doing it alone. Anything, don't do any of this alone. You're so wise and your voice and just what you say, like just it's just really soothing and uh, it's so lovely to hear from someone who has come out the other side of it. And I just, it's really helped me and I'm, I'm, absolutely sure that it will have helped so many people listening today so thank you so much for sharing your journey with us for being so honest and open and vulnerable like it really is yeah that's just amazing thank you thank you for having me it's been it's been a mosh we said it would oh how are you feeling after that like that was a very emotional um recording for you how are you uh, I feel very, very raw because we just recorded that. Um, but I'm, I feel sort of lighter in some ways as well. I don't know. I've got a lot of emotions, mate. How are your emotions? <laughs> I'm fine. Like, we literally just got off the recording. Our sister and I was like, "Oh, are you okay?" And she was like, "Yeah, I'm okay." And I was like, "Yeah, great." Um, no, it's, it's. I've, I think I've spoken about it quite a lot, and I've dealt with it a lot. I think, and I'm just sort of. I think I'm just in a better place now, and I think. Mm. I'm not saying I feel bulletproof around it, but the fact that I can talk about it without bursting into tears and being a wreck, I think it means I've come quite a long way. So hopefully maybe I'm like proof to anyone listening that's thinking I'll never feel happy again or I'll never get over it that like it does get easier. It doesn't ever go away, just as Jodie said, but it does get easier. But now I'm just really worried about you. <laughs> <laughs> it's all fine. It's all fine. It's it just the it's just one of these things that, you know, and we said it in the in the milestones episode. I can be jovial about pretty much everything, but that's one I can't because there is a ticking time bomb. And yeah, so it's just, it's just hard. I can't, I'm not, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't be jovial about it. You don't it. need to be. You don't have to put a joke and a laugh and on ev- on everything. Like some mm. things are just fucking sad, mate. Yeah. And you, sometimes you just have to sit, sit with the sadness and feel it. Yeah. And that's, and so that's what I'll do. Yeah. It's very un-Lauren Smith not to like try and find the 
silver lining somewhere. But what I am pleased about is that we have recorded that episode because I think it will hopefully help many of our listeners who are in whatever situation they're in. And that's the whole point. That's why we do this podcast. Absolutely. So, that's why we're vulnerable. That's the point. Massive, yeah. great big hug to, to anyone listening that, that is feeling a little bit upset or a little bit vulnerable has brought up things for you. So as always, we really, really appreciate you listening and we hope it's helped you. We will be back with a brand new episode next week, of course. But if you want more of us in the meantime, who wouldn't? Make sure you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at GoLoveYourselfPod. You can also join our Facebook group, which is Go Love Yourself Community. Or if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email golove at crowdnetwork.co.uk. And you can also support the show by subscribing on Patreon or Apple Podcasts, where you can get ad-free and early episodes for £1 a week. Or you can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. And a little reminder about our live shows. They're all in London on Monday the 30th of October, Tuesday the 21st of November and Wednesday the 20th of December. And there's more information and a link to buy your tickets in the episode description. Thank you all so much for listening. And as Laura said, just a massive big hug to anybody out there who needs it today and whenever you're listening to this episode we love you so much and we will see you next week bye crowd network a place where you belong <laughs>